Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's spooky season, readers. Get your thrills with Red or Dead, Book Riot's bi-weekly mystery fiction podcast dedicated to the worlds of mystery and thriller literature. Join hosts and genre experts Rincey and Katie as they catch up on mystery and thriller news, chat about new releases, and recommend your next mystery and thriller reads, including your favorite subgenres like true crime, cozies, procedurals, and all things Halloween appropriate. Get Red or Dead, that's R-E-A-D, or Dead, D-E-A-D, on your podcatcher of choice. Hello, and welcome back to When in Romance, our favorite place to chat about all things Romance Landia, books, people, etc. I am Jess. And I am Trisha. And we are recording episode 68 on Thursday, October 1st, 2020. It is October 1st. Uh-huh. I just, I know that we can't take a long pause and just all think about that as a one in romance community, but boy, if we had the time and also that wasn't wildly boring, I would just, I would need us to do that. I don't know. Um, it is, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of a banana's year. Uh, obviously, <laughs> that's an understatement. Um, but we did talk on our last episode a little about the impact of COVID on readers, writers. Um, and we heard from Jill, who I will not mention any more of Jill's name because I do not have permission to do so. But um, Jill mentioned that as a writer, it's actually also been really challenging. Um, you know, she was... She wrote a book about a year ago, had an agent. They were doing all of the kind of publishing back end stuff. And then COVID hit and a lot of things are really on pause. And it made me realize that we hadn't talked a lot about the impact that COVID is probably happening on having on people who are writers and who are publishing. And we talked about what stories might look like, but particularly if you're a newish author and somebody who maybe has not published yet I think this could be a really challenging time but I don't know I I don't know what you think Jess for me it's sort of a kind of do whatever you can do right if you can write right now and maybe can't pitch right if you can pitch you know something that you've written but you can't really do the writing part that's okay too if you can read right now but you can't write that's all right I mean eventually Hopefully, we're going to come out the other side of this. And so, I don't know, whatever you can do to kind of scratch that creative itch right now is, I think that counts for something. Absolutely. I think I saw yesterday or the day before that um, Millivane, who's also Meljon Brooke, had to push back the release of her next uh, barbarian fantasy novel. Um, because, I mean, I don't know if you've seen one of those in print, but those are chonkers of books. And she's just, she's having trouble 
um, getting the words out. And I think it's it's interesting being sort of on online all the time and sort of seeing the different perspectives of people. Like there was one author, um, Katie Robert, I think, who was talking about how her stress reaction to this is to just write. She's been writing yeah. like mad like mm-hmm. since all of this started and I don't know I don't recall if she's actually put put out anything but she's she's finished a few things or gotten through some some uh some writing steps um and it's just it's definitely interesting to see how all of our brains are different and we're sort of reacting to things in very different ways I have been reading the same book for a week and a half and you know there are other elements of life that have been affecting that but also it's just kind of like brain power is a thing that we like to pretend we have a lot of and sometimes it's just not there and uh. and and nobody wins that comparison game either too right like i think this is a good reminder too that you have to do and be who you are and what you can do right mm-hmm. if you are a person who is sort of allowing or able to allow your creative energy to flow and you can write, I think that's amazing. But if you're not that person, it doesn't mean you're not a good or valid writer. If you're a person who is like tearing through a 10 series Beverly Jenkins or 10 book Beverly Jenkins series like I was doing, Mm -hmm. uh, that's cool. But then you run out of it and you don't read anything for a month, right? Like it's, you just get to be who you are and do the best you can and, you know, be kind to yourself. Yes, I think that's that's the essence of it all, is be kind to yourself. Well, on those wise words, uh, why don't we um, thank you to Jill and, and to and others who are thinking about and, and listening to the podcast. And, um, you know, there's a little bit of follow-up. But uh, before we get into sort of the crux of this episode, do you want to maybe do an ad spot, Jess? Absolutely. Speaking of being kind to yourself... This episode is sponsored by TBR, Book Riot's subscription service offering reading recommendations personalized to your reading life. Want great new romance books to read but overwhelmed by all the publishing buzz? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading likes and dislikes and what you're looking for, and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so you can treat your shelf and support an indie too. TBR is also available as a gift. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. All right. So the main thing that I think we were, were, you know, kind of at the heart of our news segment this week, Jess, is is a story that I think probably actually may have even happened right around the last time that we recorded. And it, it seems like a larger headline story, but I think there's more to it, which is why we kind of wanted to get into it. And that's, if you haven't heard, Audible Escape is ending. Audible is ending Ugh, how many times can I use the, the word audible in one sentence? <laughs> uh, you know, audible is ending audible escape. Um, and I think replacing, theoretically replacing it with audible 
plus. And Audible Escape, for those who don't know or, or are not super into audiobooks, is essentially the kind of Kindle Unlimited or that um, unlimited, essentially 10,000 titles worth of just romance audiobooks that people could kind of use as a library and subscribe to and sort of have unlimited access. Um, and as of November 1st, Jess, it will be no more. Which is a shame. I mean, I kept kind of looking at it, but realizing, especially this year, I don't I don't make the time to listen to audiobooks, and I knew that it would be a waste. But I know some people who have really, really gotten a lot out of it on both ends, authors and uh, reader listeners. And it's just, it's one of those things that has gone the same way as other subscription services like that, where you pay a flat fee and get to check out a certain number of books per month um, that we've seen before. I mean, I remember five or six years ago, I had a job where I needed something in my ears because it was very rote work. And I, um, I got through music and podcasts and was like, I need something different. And the library didn't have what I wanted when I wanted it. So I decided to try out Scribed. And it was great because there were so many romance audiobooks and then suddenly there weren't. And it was like, well, what do I do with this? And that's kind of, that's what Audible's doing now. And it's it's almost exactly the same thing where they're pushing someone into a different subscription service that's still a subscription service, but has, what is it, less than a tenth of the options, Trisha? Yeah, according to the... Um... The article that we have that uh, it's by Distractify um, by Abby Travis. So we'll link to that. Uh, but yeah, it looks like they're going from about 10,000 romance titles to about 900. So there's a huge, obviously a huge gap there. Um, and I think you, I think that that scribe comparison is a really good and interesting one just because it's scribe when, when they made their cut, they weren't just cutting audio titles they were cutting all of their romance titles Mm -hmm. um some of you who are regular listeners may uh remember that our last episode was titled we eat books uh, (laughs) which was a reference just made to the fact that romance readers completely devour books at a rate that frankly is is just not the same as other genres Mm -hmm. and so you know if you are paying, say, $10 a month for this kind of unlimited service, you may make, you know, your money back if you're Audible or Scribed or whoever on nonfiction titles or on, you know, literary fiction titles or on, um, you know, we talked about Red or Dead earlier about, you know, thriller titles. But in romance, I think it's really hard to make that money back. And so fans of romance just end up not being able to have nice things. Yeah. I mean that's that's what it comes down to and it's like there there are the people who maybe read either way, print or um text or audio at like a, a slow steady pace and then there are those that move a little quicker with their devouring and 
neither of us can have the nice things because companies want to make more money. <laughs> you know, and the thing that kind of, I think, blows my mind a little bit about this, Jess, is that there's long been the kind of discussion and acknowledgement of the fact that romance sales keep the lights on for other genres and particularly more kind of what people call literary fiction kinds of titles, right? Mm -hmm. If romance sells so many books that they are incredibly profitable in, and not obviously in all cases, but in many cases and some of those bestseller cases, which means that a publisher is then under less pressure to make significant profit on something like a literary fiction title. They can they can roll the dice or on a poetry title or, you know, there there are the reality of the publishing world is that not all books are profitable and that's kind of acknowledged and okay. But because romance titles, not again, not all of them, but the ones that are tend to be quite profitable. And as a genre, romance tends to be quite profitable. That happens because of romance readers. And so it always kind of, I don't know, I guess this is probably super naive and unfair of me, but there is a little part of me that thinks like, okay, but you're making so much money off of romance readers. Cause if you don't know, Audible is owned by Amazon, right? Like Amazon makes some money off of romance readers. Mm -hmm. I guess I just kind of wish that there was a way that, you know, romance readers could be, the market for romance could be recognized as something broader than just, well, this service is this and that service is that. But it, it does sound like, and actually, um, I'd be interested, you mentioned having heard from authors also that Audible Escapes, or Escape, sorry, Audible Escape is a good uh, avenue and outlet for them, which is interesting because I my sense from some of the reading that I saw is, you know, just even kind of Twitter conversations that authors were not making money and were pulling their books, which is part of the reason that Audible Escape is now sort of shifting over. Yeah, and I, I think I I sort of meant people are finding new authors. So oh, got it. they might not be making any money. It was more kind of an exposure yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, and I have seen... Um, I saw, I know Penny Reed sometime back stopped putting her titles on Audible and it specifically mentioned that as an independent author, she just couldn't afford to do it and started mm -hmm. using a different platform. Um, and, you know, again, anecdotally and through kind of Twitter, you are seeing that there's just not, the money's just not there. There's a, an article from, I think, 2018, we'll link to it, from the Digital Reader, um, where Nate Hofflander, who is the kind of the voice behind the digital reader, talks about how Audible Romance, or I guess, which was originally what Audible Escapes, Escape, man, I keep doing that. Audible, it's Audible Romance, which was originally what Audible Escape was called, was paying like a fifth of what they were even paying for Kindle Unlimited books, right? So Kindle Unlimited was paying under half a cent per page, but Audible Romance was paying a tenth of a cent per minute. And so it was just much less profitable for authors to be in Audible. What was at that time Audible Romance and is now Audible Escape. Mm -hmm. 
That makes a lot of sense, especially considering the extra costs that come on to um, producing audiobooks. Right, and also those things have to be, you know, shared with narrators, and so there's, yeah, there's there's some question there. I do you have a sense, Jess? And I always do this. I put you on the spot, but as a librarian, is there is there any kind of argument that a library should be or is investing less in romance books because the return on investment is less, or I guess. That's kind of not how libraries work. I don't know. How does it seem to work on that side for how many romance books you tend to buy versus how many get borrowed and all of all that of that? That is a, kind of a varying thing by um, almost by area because there are places where there is a higher rate of people who buy print books or who borrow print books versus ebooks and all of that stuff. Um, if you, if overdrive is your main thing, a lot, there's a lot of, what's a good word? Ebooks are expensive if they come from traditional publishers, even buying them via overdrive. Um, so self-published books, is up to the author. So um, sometimes we can buy more copies of self-published books because they are less expensive for us to do and people can get through them faster. And then with traditional publishing, there's um, the licensing because you, you don't actually buy most ebooks from traditional publishers. You're getting them either for a period of time or a number of checkouts, at which point you have to replace them. Um, so uh, it really is about how many people put something on hold, at least in the library system that I work for sometimes, because we can get a glimpse based on previous use, whether an author is going to be popular and how many of those books that we need. But because they're kind of expensive to get, we sort of add on more as the holds go up. Um, and that's complete anecdata. I have no idea how it works mm -hmm. in any other library system. <laughs> but we get a lot. And like we're very customer um, driven as far as what we buy. So because like... Every every person with a library card can request 30 books a month. So if I requested 30 romance novels a month, if they were easy to get and weren't coming out in six months, then they would try their best to get as many of those as were available and then more copies of those if it looked like they were going to be popular. Yeah. And I do, I mean, I guess obviously part of the difference clearly is that libraries are not meant to be profitable in the way that something like, well, Amazon, frankly, is. Um, and so, you know, I mean, like I, you know, like we talked about, I certainly don't fault any authors or any folks who needed to pull out of whatever service because it wasn't a good fit for them. Um, and yeah, I think we, we, I mean, it's just, it's kind of, I guess it's kind of one of those things where, there are a lot of moving parts to it. There are a lot of mm -hmm. pieces related to how authors are impacted, how readers are impacted, yeah. how bottom lines are impacted and all of that. 
And also, it just kind of sucks. So. And I don't know, honestly, if Audible Escape had the same um, caveat for people, especially self-published authors, that Kindle Unlimited does, which is you cannot offer that book in a digital format anywhere. <laughs> so there were a lot of there were a lot of audiobooks on um of books that were in Kindle Unlimited that showed up on a platform that we no longer have anymore and I don't know what happened with that, but that was so and I don't know if those audiobooks are were available on Audible Escape. Um but there was sort of like no other way to access those books in digital format because they could only be on Kindle Unlimited. So it's really interesting <laughs> the way that um, Amazon keeps a hold of people. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it I mean, it, that's a really interesting point because especially as you're starting to see, you know, Libro FM is maybe more of a presence mm -hmm. and Spotify is becoming an increasingly non-music audio presence in the world. And, you know, Apple kind of is. I, it's interesting to me that Apple has sort of separated out their podcast space versus their any other kind mm -hmm. of audio programming space. You know, I mean, I guess, you know, that's a whole other episode we could get into about all the different audio spaces and what people are doing with music versus podcast versus books. But I do think that um, as that there is less kind of sole dominance, mm -hmm. Apple Podcasts is now not the only place to get mm -hmm. podcasts. Audible is not the only place to get audiobooks. Like there, there are these kind of some of those services that were kind of one thing are now diversifying in ways that that are really interesting. And so, you know, we'll see. It is kind of a bummer, but maybe there is space for Audible Plus to increasingly invest in romance if they're seeing that they're losing a lot of their subscribers. Absolutely, because going from 10,000 plus titles to 900 is a big difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is a big difference is, is uh, maybe the most generous thing that somebody has said about it. Just <laughs> <laughs> but you are nothing if not generous. So I do what I can. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything else? Any other reflections about this? We did want to like, like I said, we did want to talk about it just because I think it's a slightly bigger story than maybe some of the headlines have, uh, have indicated and maybe then Audible wanted it to be. But um you know, there's layers there. There's layers. There are, there are layers there, and I really hope that they figure it out, because I do know people who have only been able to consume any kind of book, but mostly romance, in audio, audio format. And if, if Audible knows that there is money to be made if they actually provide the right kind of service, you would think they would get on the mo the move the motion train that's that i don't know what that means but <laughs> if if audible escape wasn't working for whatever reason you would think that instead of just taking things away from audible escape listeners they would try to change it yeah 
it does not seem to be the way to solve whatever it doesn't seem to be the way to solve any problem which is why i feel confident saying it does not seem to be the way to solve this problem even having only just a very cursory public understanding of what this problem is Mm -hmm. Um, right on but i do like the motion train there's a (laughs) real good chance that's going to be our show title Uh, and since there's no better way to end this conversation than that, I think that we will move to our final ad spot, yes, which, let's. as fate would have it, uh, our final ad spot is brought to, to you by The Return by Nicholas Sparks. In the romantic tradition of The Notebook, number one New York Times bestselling author Nicholas Sparks presents The Return. It's the story of a young Navy doctor trying to heal the woman he loves and the troubled teenage girl whose secrets could change his life. He'll learn the meaning of redemption and that to move forward, we must often return to the place where it all began. Read The Return and see why the Associated Press says Nicholas Sparks has definitely mastered the art of love. And Pop Sugar says it reminds us that we're all human. So thank you to The Return by Nicholas Sparks for sponsoring this episode of When in Romance here in 2020. (laughs) All right. So um, we just we were talking about what kinds of books to recommend this week. And I was like, well, I've been reading a lot of urban books. And you said, well, yeah, I've been reading a lot of small town books. And I was like, well, we can do small towns. Oh, wait, I just remembered it was also Bi Visibility Day last week. So maybe we should do, you know, books that are more about like bi characters, whatever. And I feel like you issued the challenge of (laughs) let's do books with bi characters in small towns and see if we can possibly get to three recommendations between the two of us. How many recommendations do you have alone just by yourself, Jess? No comment. Okay. All right. So so here's what I think we're going to do, because we are trying to sort of, you know, have a more manageable episode length these days. I'm going to start... And then I'm going to let you do one, and then I'm going to do one, and then I'm going to time you and tell you when you've run out of time to do all of the rest of your titles. I'll take it. I feel like that's fair. I, was gonna, I, I, I mean, I feel like that's at least fair, you know? Um, so, yeah, let's, yeah. So we'll start there. Let's do so. it. So. Get ready, folks. <sighs> um Okay, buckle up, everybody. <laughs> uh, so the first recommendation of... Who knows how many we're going to get to is Two Rogues Make a Right by Kat Sebastian. It's a book I think I've talked about once before on this podcast, and I I know I wrote about it for Book Riot's Best of 2020 so far. Um, But part of the reason that I really like this book for kind of (laughs) for this very niche category that we've we've selected is that not only um, is Will one of the characters, uh, someone who is attracted to and is physically intimate with uh, both men and women. You know, he's he's bi. But also Martin, who is the other character, seems to be, without any kind of explicit mention of it, somewhere on the kind of demisexual, kind of gray scale. Um, he has not generally been attracted to 
people before, but he and Will are childhood friends. They were super, super close. Um, a variety of kind of tragic and unfortunate things happen that end up separating the two from each other. Uh, Will ends up uh, enlisting in the Navy and uh, does deal with some trauma there. He also deals with addiction. Like there's just a lot of, there's a lot of depth and as Kat Sebastian, I think tends to do you, I think have read more of her stuff than I have just there's, it's all kind of in the character Mm. development this is not a plot heavy book which is not to say it's not a satisfying story and a satisfying plot but really kind of the action here happens in the growth and change of these two characters who are childhood friends both have had kind of to deal with their separate tragedies and trauma they come back together um martin is also chronically ill and so you know they they have to navigate that as well Will has this large family that is, you know, part of the the larger series that's happening here. And, you know, they're just kind of, this book is honestly, the action of this book is these two people trying to figure out if they can build a life together. They they both essentially know that they love the other early on. They have to kind of figure out how to make that building of a life mm-hmm. happen. And and Will's bisexuality is is not a major issue right it's kind of i kind of appreciate that about it it's not like a you know that martin is necessarily bothered by it although you know some jealousy flares up but not really related Mm -hmm. to that it's just kind of taken as just a part of him and of who he is and and i really appreciate that about it so two rogues make a right is is one of my favorite books that i've read so far this year it's just kind of a like i said really character heavy um multi-dimensional in in the way that it explores the people in the book uh kind of a story and and i would recommend it so that is two rogues make right and it does happen mostly in a very small sort of like farm off you know out in the middle of nowhere because martin is recovering it's a whole thing but it is a small town uh you know by visibility romance hooray um so- so my first recommendation is the middle book in a series of three that go best if you read them all together, but you can definitely read this one on its own. Um, and that is Wrong to Need You by Alicia Rye. And it's it's funny, I haven't talked about the Forbidden Hearts trilogy in years, I think, because she's um, written other stories since then. But... Um, I think the thing that stood out to me the most immediately upon picking up Wrong to Need You was the fact that Sadia was an openly bisexual Muslim woman working at a bar (laughs) in in this small town in New York. (laughs) So, um, So this book is about Sadia, who has all kinds of family issues that, um, are very, very strong parts of her character development. But she is also a um, single mother and widow. And the love interest in this book is actually her, um, her husband's brother. So it's, if, if that's not your thing, uh, steer clear. But it is an amazing story. And these two are my favorites, I think, of the Forbidden Hearts trilogy. Um, so, 
I don't really know how to set you up into this story. Sadia is living her life, dealing with her sisters and her parents and her kid. And Jackson, who uh, left years ago because of something that he didn't do, has come back. He's opening um, a restaurant. <laughs> it's a restaurant or a cafe. Um, and the two have some form of chemistry, but there's the whole brother thing. So it's a very angsty book. If you cannot handle angst, just steer clear of the whole trilogy. But it's it's the good kind of emotional <laughs> angst um, that sometimes I really, really want to read. Um, and but like Sadia is just um, amazing as a person and how very assured she is of herself, even though she has the same kinds of insecurities that um, anyone would have in her situation. But she's a really amazing woman and has a family that sometimes doesn't know what to do with her, but she kind of doesn't care because she wants to do what she wants to do. Um, but they have, she has their support. So it's just, it's just a great book. So that's Wrong to Need You by Alicia Rye, the second book in the Forbidden Hearts trilogy. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that. It has been a while since we've talked about that trilogy, and they're all exceptionally great books, but I, I this may be, you know, this may be controversial. Feel free to add me, because this is the kind of controversy I can get involved in. I think Wrong to Need You is my favorite. Mm. I'm going to let you think about that. I'm going to let you just, like, sort of steep in that for mm -hmm. a minute. Um knowing full well that you're probably going to get distracted because the next book uh, that I'm going to mention is Zenny by Rebecca Weatherspoon. It's another one that we've mentioned here on this show, but I think it's worth calling back to again, just for a few reasons. So first of all, this is a book where actually both characters are bisexual. Um, Zenny is, but also so is Mason, who ends up being her husband of convenience in this story. And I think that that is worth noting because I, I think uh, in male-female romance, it is generally less common to see male characters who are bi. Mm -hmm. um, but he is actually the first, you know, they're, they kind of, Zenny has gone to this, you know, smallish town, at least in upstate New York, to to bury a beloved aunt who has passed away. And uh, part of the aunt's will, as sometimes happens, is that uh, she has to, I think, marry Mason. I'm pretty sure, like, that's the that's the mm -hmm. deal. Um, she has to marry before she can claim the estate. And I think he it has to be him. And it's like this whole... It's the kind of thing that sounds really contrived, but actually works really well in the story. So you can take my <laughs> word for it. So they're kind of, like, leveling up before they get married like okay what do i need to know about you before i sign up to be your spouse and you know etc and mason says well you know i'm bisexual and it has been you know content warning an issue for his family it's it's um he is grown increasingly comfortable um but for his parent uh his, his father i believe in particular it was a really big deal and so he wants to make sure that 
Zenny knows, and Zenny uh, says, well, that's something we have in common. And he says, oh, really? And I think the quote is, uh, yep, bisexual witch at your <laughs> service, because Zenny is also a witch. Um, I love her so much. And that's kind of like, there. that's the thing about this book, is that it's there's so much, but none of it feels contrived, and none of it's overwhelming. And it all just ends up being the kinds of details that make you care about and get really invested in the characters and their mm-hmm. stories. And so much of, um, much like, you know, Rebecca Weatherspoon's other books, this book is so reliant on the other relationships that these people have with their friends and mm-hmm. family. Um, you see a lot of that. And there's a lot of really rich, there's a lot of richness in that as well. And so, you know, it's like I said, it's one that we've talked about before, but in addition to both characters, you know, being bi, it's also just a great story with really interesting dimension. So that's Zenny by Rebecca Weatherspoon. And I will let you uh, add anything that I missed, Jess, because I know this is a favorite of yours Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. It's it's one of my favorites. It's probably my favorite Rebecca Weatherspoon book, just like hands down. And it's one that I recommend a lot um, to People I know, people on the street, people who ask for recommendations at the library, um, and I and people, and people who don't, who don't. Also, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but it's just you know, there's the grief element with the whole um, will and the the things that um, Zenny has to deal with in relation to her family member, but it's some things get revealed. Yeah, but oh, it's such an uplifting book. Else. Like it's it's. It's yeah. like warm and cuddly and there are intense sexy times, but also really intense emotions happening. And like, I just love it so much. Um, but that's all I'm going to add because I'm going to try to get three more down your throat. Uh, <laughs> okay. Ready? All right. Go. I want to include two of the new Karina adores books that came out. Um, and honestly, the other two, Three, three, I think, might also have bisexual characters in small towns. I don't know because I haven't read them. Um, but Better Than People by Roan Parrish, I believe Jack is um, bisexual. He mentions um, accidentally burping in a woman's mouth before. That's like the only indication, but I'm taking it. Um, and that one's set in Wyoming or montana or one of those states where there's nobody nearby for miles and there are also dogs and cats and i think like a ferret or something i don't remember um but that book is absolutely delightful and then just like that by cole mccade and if you know cole mccade you know that this is also a wildly angsty um but it's also a very interesting story that has an age gap set in a school that is actually appropriate because the younger character is 25 and a teacher's assistant and the older character is in his 40s and a very stodgy um widowed professor like person and they have a very interesting relationship especially because the younger one had a crush on the older teacher when he was a student but now he's realizing that was more like fear and he's really learning what the the teacher is like now so that's just like that by cole mccade and finally i cannot talk about 
bisexual folks in a small town without mentioning From Scratch by Katrina Jackson. It was my first experience reading a Katrina Jackson book and I never looked back. Uh, This is about a woman who moves to a town and opens a bakery. And if you haven't seen the cover of this book, it's it was the first time I saw a fat black woman on a cover who was actually fat, not like a model fat. <laughs> and also, and she uh, starts a relationship with two men who are already in a relationship. So there's a woman who's a baker who's fat and two men who are kind of in jobs that are pretty like machismo and who are in love with each other but it takes them a while to realize that um who are also interested in her and it there's just all all these kinds of things happening that are wonderful and lovely and it's a quick read and i love it and that is from scratch by katrina jackson how'd i do you did so well i'm so impressed um and i I'm only going to mention one of the other Karina Adora's books because there is bisexuality, like bisexual rep, uh, although it takes place in Chicago, which is which is small. But we've talked before about Kelly Farmer's Out mm. on the Ice. And the only reason that I explicitly mention it is because there's some real discussion about bi erasure mm-hmm. in that book. And so if that's a thing you're looking for and you can deal with the fact that it's not in a small town, it's in Chicago, <laughs> uh, do check out Out on the Ice by Kelly Farmer. <laughs> Um, but seriously, Jess, that is the most impressive. I had questions and I held back because I knew you were going to get through all those books. So we'll just save those for next time. Um, but yeah, I think that then brings us to the end of our fun recommendations. Yes. Segment. Yes. So. And so here we are. Uh, thank you always um, to all of you for, for listening. And if you are interested in letting us know what your favorite books with um, BiRap are, or if you are an Audible Escape subscribee, subscriber, um, and now are kind of bummed about it, or maybe you're happy about it because you don't have the $10 a month, and so now you have an excuse to cut ties. I don't know. (laughs) Whoever you are and whatever you're experiencing, let us know. You can always email us at whenandromance at bookriot.com. Or find us on the socials. I am on Instagram mostly. I'm on Twitter too, but mostly I'm on Instagram at Trisha Haley Brown. And I am on Twitter at Jess is Reading, all one word, and Jess underscore is underscore reading on Instagram. Thank you as always again for listening. Please do feel free to rate and review the show. Uh, it does help other folks find it. Um, but in the meantime, thank you for listening and, and we hope that you find some books that that are a good fit for you absolutely and as always if you're reading happy reading happy reading everybody